Hello, what's good people, what's happening? Welcome once again to episode 130 of another Lunar Poetry Podcast. My name is the Repeat Beat Poet, aka PJ, your conversational host doing the most, bringing you unfiltered and in-depth interviews with poets, investigating the worlds of those who make magic with words. I hope you're doing okay. Thanks for bearing with me during uh, the little break of the past few months. I could list a host of reasons that I wasn't able to regularly produce the podcast, but who needs to hear a two-minute YouTube vlogger-style sorry I haven't made a video type monologue. So here is the TLDR version. A mix of stress, low moods, and the odd bout of, uh, you know, existential dread vastly altered my like mental situation for a month or two um, however i'm told a good behavioral cure for that sort of thing is to slow down take things one step at a time and keep it simple so here we are in the present moment not stressing about previous gaps in the schedule or every potential challenge that might occur in producing future episodes just here for an hour or so with sincere conversation. So, I hope you're ready for another episode of Lunar Poetry Goodness. This chat was recorded across two dates in March 2021. We were battling some technical glitches uh, to get a good episode, but the substance of the conversation rings loud and clear. This episode's guest is the cracking comedian, writer and poet and friend of mine, Sarah Callahan. Across the last decade as a stand-up, she's been across the world from Australia to Andorra, Dubai to Deptford, touring shows and smashing stages, um, especially with her show, The Ballad of Sarah Callahan, which is kind of like a mix of comedy and poetry. Um, and it's available online for you to watch. The link will be in the show notes. Um, since 2018, she's also been a regular face around the London Poetry Night circuit, and she's self-published a trilogy of poetry books, uh, The Ballad, From Ashes We Rise, and Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain, and she's released two albums of music as well. Uh, there's a lot to chat about. We end up talking about the joys and discoveries of artistic collaboration, we swap some gig memories and tour stories and genuinely just uh, have a bit of a catch up. Um, remember, if you enjoy the podcast, please save, like, rate, share, download it, um, share it with somebody who might enjoy it. Word of mouth always has been the best recommendation for us and the more people talking about poetry, the better. So without any further ado... Let's get into the conversation. Hello, hello, the wonderful Sarah Callahan. Are you there? Hello, how's it going? Yes, wicked. It's going, it's going good, you know. Overall, um, even even in the midst of uh, Rona and the extended Rona season, um, you know what? I'm gonna take some joy in the small things and say, yeah. Some things are looking up, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm happy currently. Uh, ask me, ask me tomorrow, you get a different answer though. <laughs> How are you feeling <laughs> yeah. though? How's, how's things? Yeah, yeah, I'm good, man. Same, you know, it's a bit of a strange time, very up and down, and that. But just trying to stay focused, I guess. You know what I mean? But um, I always feel like quite tedious when uh, 
you know, when you give quite a positive answer that, to that question, because everyone expects you to be like, oh, I'm so depressed and this and this. But if, if you say anything other than that, people just think, you prick. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Why, no, <laughs> Why no, are you true, okay? No. You know what I mean? So I just try and keep it chill. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. <laughs> I think it's important to to celebrate small wins and and, and to celebrate celebrate joy where you can Definitely, because otherwise yeah. I am I am prone to the gloom um, mm. and and because these podcasts go out to people listening whenever and wherever and hopefully in a world where you know the coronavirus isn't uh, like a clear and present danger and things like this hopefully the world will be different so you know. There's always good things. Um, so for those people who haven't uh, seen your work, uh, your work across so many fields, uh, be it, you know, being a poet and releasing books, uh, your your wicked career and stand up and all the things you've done there as well. Um, yeah. Could you just introduce yourself to our audience? Uh, yeah. So my name is Sarah Callahan. Um, I'm a well, I've been a comedian for 10 years. And in the last sort of two, three years, I started doing poetry and in that time, yeah, I've just been performing loads and I wrote a trilogy of books and I've released a couple EPs and, um, yeah, it's been good, man. And uh, it's been nice to have the contrast of the comedy and the poetry and just to be in a new space and meet new people and stuff. So, yeah, it's been definitely been a journey, which is annoying with the pandemic because I feel like I was getting in a flow with everything. But, um, yeah, that's basically what I do in it. I just try and do a bit of everything, a bit of everything yeah well i mean the phrase the phrase jack of all trades gets gets thrown around a lot and also the phrase hard working gets thrown around a lot but um but you but you epitomize both of those both of those traits in that you have so many skills um talk I, i'm gonna jump in because um i had a whole list of things uh kind of topics that i did want to get to but um yeah marrying the kind of comedy and poetry how did you get to the point of bringing in poetry like to your artistic like practice because you know you were and still are obviously a super successful comedian as well so what was the need and where was the need for you to go to poetry how did that happen um well firstly thank you i appreciate that um it's nice when people acknowledge that you're working hard um i i, I it was weird like so basically with the poetry journey like it actually came from a really bad time like i, I was um i was in quite an abusive relationship and that and he was also a comedian. So when that ended, like, obviously I had to work, I had to still gig, but um, doing you know, my everything in my life just became so triggering for me. So I wanted to have a creative outlet that was nothing to do with him, nothing to do with comedy, that was just, you know, not people being fake and making a joke of things. And um, so I just, I always used to write poetry anyway. And then I started going to like, uh, meditation events and sound healing events and at the end of these sort of uh evenings they do like a like an open mic so you can get up and do a poem or sing a song or say a speech or do any do anything you like really and uh my friend was like oh you should get up and do a poem and I'm like nah these are not for being said out loud do you know what I mean like these are just for me and these are like really dark pieces as well it's not really something I'll be comfortable with sharing but um in the end she twisted my arm and I ended up uh, performing one and it went down really well and it was very cathartic for me um to let it out and then that's when I started realizing like wow I, I'm not alone you know and then I started you know talking a bit more openly about mental health and just the friends that I made through that and just being so vulnerable and um so honest 
opened me up to so much information, helped me with my own healing. Um, I had a deeper understanding about myself as a person and myself as a creative. It then fed into the comedy and I was able to improve different areas of that as well. And then I just started to enjoy it, making friends, going to gigs, incorporating the music and that. So I was just like having fun, like didn't really want to earn money from it, didn't really care about being the best or, you know, it was just it was just another outlet for me to to self-express and then uh basically with comedy i've been going 10 years and you know you've always got to keep it fresh and you've got to um you know stand out and at the end of the day i was just like a young white girl what's what's any what's how am i different from all these other newbies that are coming up you know they're 18 19 years old you know like how i was um you know, I need to fight for my position. You know what I mean? It is a com- it's, it's it's a battle at the end of the day. Um, so brutal I was thinking, oh, world comedy. Oh, it's dog eat dog. It's fucking horrible. And I I don't like that aspect of it, but ultimately that is what it is. And it's the world that I've been so used to. And especially when you're going to Edinburgh every year, trying to think of new shows, different show concepts, how are you going to sell it? What's your, what's your selling point? You're doing interviews and it's just the same old rubbish that you're, that you're saying, same old questions. So I just got like a bit bored of it. And I thought, why don't I try and incorporate the two? So um, I actually suggested it to an agent that I was going to do this, and uh, she's not my agent anymore, but she said to me, it's never going to work. It's never going to work. Ooh, yeah, it's a rubbish idea. Now. Yeah, I know. So she's like, it's a rubbish idea. It's never going to work. I think it's career suicide, blah, blah. Because you know, I'm not the first person to do this in terms of like doing poetry. There's a lot of comedians that have done poetry in their shows, but it's been like funny poetry or been like, like a little add-on after the show or a bit of, you know, crowd work stuff. Like they've never actually incorporated it complete within the story of, of, of an hour, an hour's piece. So I was a bit like, okay, well, I don't want you representing me if you don't even believe in me. Um, because even if it doesn't work, I'm of the sort of mindset of give it a go. You know, you, you're never, you're never going to achieve greatness in your comfort zone. You know what I mean? You've always got to be pushing boundaries and doing things that scare you a bit, you know, because at that time, this was 2018. I, I felt like my comedy crew was like stagnating a bit, you know, and I, I was getting bored, you know, I'd gone through this horrible breakup and like, I'm just like, I need to do something, man. I, I have to do something to, to get some fire in me. And I'm, I'm really enjoying this poetry. You know, the, the way I can connect with an audience through this is I feel like it's something special, you know? So I was like, why, why can't I bring the two worlds together? So I did do it. And I ended up um, touring that show all over New Zealand um, I taught, I took it to Dubai. I took it all across Europe, and then um, it got filmed as a comedy special. It was my first special for Next Up, which is an amazing platform. And uh, yeah, it was really successful. Got loads of good reviews and that. So uh, fuck you to my old agent. And also, <laughs> I uh, I was just so happy, you know, that it was able. I was able to do it, and it made me feel good, and that people actually liked it. So that's how that all came about. And then I've never really looked back since. Okay, I mean, you're skirting over some some key wonderful details that I do want to go back to in the story of this. Um, for one thing, what's the show called so uh, people can uh, search it and find it for themselves? Oh yeah, it's called The Ballad of Sarah Callahan. Right, so, yeah, wonderful. I do recommend it. I did sign up to uh, Next Up and, and watched it Yay. in preparation for this. It was quality, and <laughs> you know, I won't spoil anything because it really is. Um, it, it, it's a marvel how you do weave, uh, kind of like the two, and it really is a whole. It, it, it's a great, it's a great hour show. Oh, thank um, you, man. That means a lot. And then, yeah. So, secondly, um, just going back to being able to like commit 
to yourself like because this agent wasn't backing you in this way um how did you like you know making that decision is never easy because it means that you're you know you have to diy it um, and this is about the time that i met you um around i think late uh, or, or mid 2018 um you know on the poetry scene it was i think it was nights like uh like like flow poets and and boxed in um obviously yeah. penting poetry you came through um and and i saw somebody who i knew was a comedian because i'd like you know just seen seen your clips but the thing that you did with the poetry was being like, nah, I completely back myself 100% to say what I need to say and to deliver it in an impassioned way. Um, and and those words are kind of like, you know, quite generic and overused, impassioned. But it really is, was like, it really is like an electrifying thing to see you go bar for bar when you're really in flow. Um, and for some reason... I think it's about the live performance and like you're such a you're such a wonderful live performer could you talk about how you came to bring like your aspect of comedy performance and like live performance in comedy into poetry because I think it'd be an interesting way to talk about like um you know to get into some of your craft because it's such a stage craft you know yeah. well it's, it was it spun me out at the beginning I think that's why I was so nervous to do poetry because um it's a completely like different flow it's so, like just the way you speak and everything. And I, I watched a few poets and everyone's kind of got their own like patter the way, the same way, obviously all co comedians are different, but comedians, it's like, it's more the personality because every it's just talking, but you might take on a different personality, whether you're being like silly or deadpan or whatever. But poetry, there's like, there's a flow to it. Like, you know, obviously you get different styles of rapping and that. So I'm like, what's my style going to be? I don't know. So every time I went on stage, I was just sort of like winging it really and just trying to be myself, but obviously get, get the flow in as well but um I think the performance definitely helped me like be having having like 10-15 years of live performance under my belt so the confidence was never an issue it was more about the content so that's if I got nervous with poetry gigs it was like it was because of I was being so vulnerable for the first time in my life um but I think a lot of people's ears pricked up when I come on stage just because I was so confident and it was sort of, there was like, wow, because, you know, there's a lot of poets out there that are amazing, but they haven't got much confidence or they'll kind of say their poems, just like reading them into their phone. But because like, from the get go, I was like, bang, it was like, oh, wow, like, how long have you been doing this? And I'm like, well, not that long at all. And um, it's actually nice as well, like, because if I'm doing like longer, I do a lot of gigs for So Far Sounds. And so you do like 25 minute sets. And so I'm doing like a few poems and then in between I'll do talking. And I'm not particularly trying to be funny, but just... I get like the biggest laughs ever at those gigs because 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 they don't know I'm a comedian and then then I make them laugh. They're like, oh wow, she's a poet and she's funny. But I'm actually like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> I'm a comedian <laughs> and I do poetry. <laughs> it's the other way around, you know. So uh, it's quite nice having it in my back pocket. I think it's definitely helped me a lot, you know. Yeah, especially when you're coming in front of different crowds. Because the thing about So Far Sounds and and you know the type of gig model like that where audiences sign up to go to gigs without knowing who's going to be on the bill and then necessarily that just kind of uh you know it, it's almost like a like a cabaret show like it's a modern day you know um part of that tradition um obviously in, in a very different way um but but it means having versatility as a performer and you know i've done a fair share of so far sounds gigs as well it's always important to be able to adapt to the audience in front of you yeah and just to say more about stagecraft as well, 
so not to not to like beat you up or whatever but you did say about you know taking this show uh around the world on tour uh dubai etc um could you just give us maybe like a couple of fun tour stories or anything anything like you know any crazy stories from the road because when you're out there performing and like the job is to get on stage and do the show you do the show and then you have all of the other rest of the day to like you know either rest up obviously because you're traveling um but I, I always think it's a fun part of um of, of of being a professional creative yeah i mean uh <laughs> i mean how how can i tell bad stories on here or because a lot of my a lot of my stories involve like um yeah pretty crazy situation I'd, I'd, actually i'll tell you i'll tell you a, um, a family friendly for anyone um so okay, in, we can so I, we can do an explicit one and we can take it out afterwards. But let's go for the family friendly <laughs> one first. Okay, so I was um, I was in Australia and um, I basically got uh, like really drunk one night and was just like they were telling me about um, oh like you know that Perth is the only place where you can do a skydive and you land on the beach like it's really beautiful, blah blah. You should do it. You should do it. And I'm like oh I don't know man I don't know I was a bit like nervous and that. Anyway I got really pissed and um, I booked it. And then the next day I woke up and I was like, oh my God, like, because basically it's like you, like the money's gone. You won't, if you miss it or you're late, whatever, you won't get the money back. And it was a bit quite expensive. So I was like, shit, right. Um, so I've got to do it. So a week later, I drive down to the place and um, like, my, well, my mate dropped me off. Right. So I'm completely on my own. Never done this before. And basically I didn't know that a skydive, I don't know. Have you done a skydive? I've never done a skydive, but I've right. had a couple of mates who have. So you'd think that if you've never done one in your life, that, that, you know, you'd have to have a lot of training or they'd show you a video. Literally, they take you into a room. They put the straps on you, like the harness thing. They tell you how to put your legs and, you know, put your arms like, um, crossed across your chest. And then they say, right, get into the van. We're going to drive down to the uh, to the airport. I was just like, oh, my God, we're literally doing it right now. Like, I, I was so nervous. Anyway, <laughs> went there. Got up there, did it. It was amazing. Best thing in my life ever. The most, oh, my, it, it, it was like, I did it the year later. I went back and did it again because it was just so amazing. Like, oh, it's the best feeling ever. If you haven't done it, please, please, you have to do it before you're dead. Like, it's the best. And um, anyway, so I was chit-chatting as we were flying down and I was chit-chatting to the guy that was on my back. And he was, I was like, yeah, I'm a comedian, blah, blah. And he was, oh, I love comedy. Anyway, I ended up giving him two free tickets and he came to my show that night and then yeah so he's in the he's in the audience I was like I jumped out of a plane with that geezer today everyone's like no way I'm like yeah (laughs) (laughs) they thought I was chatting shit but actually I was like no we genuinely jumped out of a plane together yeah he's not a plant like no that did just happen yeah yeah but it was so surreal like I was you know he's seen me in my most vulnerable state in terms of like having my life in his hands and then now it's like the tables reversed and like I'm the one on stage in control, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a nice moment. That's wicked. That's wicked. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's a family friendly one. Everyone should go and like, you know, take a start, take a skydive at some point in their lives. Um, give us something uh, a little bit more blue, a little bit something more uh, late night, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my days. Within I... discretion. But, you know, it's completely up to you. Um, okay. So... Um... I love great storytelling, and you tell a great story, Sarah. <laughs> so, do you know uh, the comedian uh, Jim Owen? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's an weird Irish... eyes, weird yeah. eyes. Yeah, so he's an Irish. He's people that don't. He's an, he's an Irish comedian, but he he lives in Australia, and he sort of got he found his fame in Australia, and then he came over to London, did the Apollo, and everything. He's like, um, 
yeah, pretty successful and stuff, but he's always had like quite a big problem with drink. Anyway, he was sort of off the booze for a while. And um, this was like, we were doing like four gigs a night and he came down as a surprise to, um, because, you know, celebrities do that. They'll just like rock up to, to, to rooms and say, oh, can I have some stage time? And then you just let them on, you know what I mean? So I'd known yeah. about him, but I'd never met him before. And obviously he'd never met me, so he didn't even know I was a, I was a comic. So we're outside the back having a smoke and that. And uh, he's got this uh, huge joint, right? And I never I never smoke before I go on stage or drink or anything just because it's like clouds your brain a bit. But he's sort of like lording it a little bit. And, and being a female in comedy, you get this a lot, men really trying to show their dominance in that. But because I'm quite boyish, you know, I'll give it back, you know. And um, he was basically just taking the piss out of me being a girl. And when he found out I was a comedian, he's like, oh, what do you do on stage then? Like just chat shit about men and all this. And just, just it was playful stuff, that, but it was it was annoying me. So I was thinking, right, I need to make sure. Playful guy... misogyny. Playful yes, misogyny. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm just maybe desensitised to it, but... I was like, right, I need to show this guy that I can piss with the big boys here. So I said, right, pass me that joint then. I was like, boom, boom, boom. I got super stoned with him. And then uh, I forgot that I had a second spot. So the stage manager comes out and he's like, you're on next. And I was like, shit, I am so stoned. Anyway, Jim Owen's there and he's like, right, I've got to... Um, he was like, I can't wait to see this because you're going to die on stage. It's going to be amazing because everyone could see how like how fucked up I was. He's run back around the venue and gone and sat in the audience. So I'm just like super nervous. I've got to go on stage. It's like midnight. It's a rowdy crowd. Jim Owen's watching me. I'm really so high. I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? My hands are sweaty. I'm like dry mouth. I'm just Knees like, oh, weak, my. weak, palms are heavy. Yeah, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Fucking mum's spaghetti. I was, I, I was literally just like, this is going to end so badly, right? It's going to be so embarrassing. Anyway, I get called on stage, I go out, and the beauty about being a uh, a Brit in Australia is you can pretty much say anything and they just love you because of the accent. So I just hammed up the accent. I was like, you right, mate, how's it going? Yeah, you right, geezer? And uh, they loved it. And because they were all, like, drunk and that, I got through the set, went really well, and then afterwards that was it. Like, Jim Owen was just like, yeah, you're serious. But what was cool about it is when I go to Edinburgh and he's in Edinburgh, People around him like a f- like flies around shit because he's like so famous in that. And I walk into like some of the, you know, private members bars and whatever, and the the, the artist bars, and he's like, "Oh, Sarah, how's it doing?" And he's like, he's getting me drinks and hugging me in yeah, front of everyone. Yeah, so I'm just yeah. like, yeah. But I'm like, you don't understand what we've had to go through to get to this moment, you know. So, yeah, that was a pretty cool <laughs> moment for me. I think, yeah. Redemption proof, and also. Oh. <laughs> like who cares i'm that good yes oh, I'm no, that exactly good, you know? i was just like yeah no but do you know what i think the comedy gods were looking over me that night because yeah i mean that 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 should have gone badly but it was all right man. <laughs> very lucky very well done yeah. um i mean we've already spoken for, for quite a long time but i did just want to get some stories out before we got into some poetry um but do you have a piece that you'd like to to read for us first and then we'll get into some chat after that yeah yes i've got one here um, yeah, I'm going to do it a cappella because um, I think that's better for something like this. Um, but yeah, this is called uh, Beginning. B is for beginning. Bounding boldly into that first step. Baby, you got this. Behave like the gods you idolise. Brave but beautiful. Push dreams beyond the barometer so even when you are just dust and bare bones, your legacy lives on better than before. Break through and blossom. Be the person you never had grown up. 
You are the blueprint for future generations to benefit from. B is for breaking cycles. B is for becoming so bright that bonfires get jealous of your flame. Don't get bogged down with negativity when people don't believe. Become bulletproof and everyone will want to buy into your dream. Trust me. Brains get butchered in this business. Brainwashing bastards who think bragging is the best way to succeed. Ignore the bullshit. Focus on the blessings. There is boundless joys to be found in the bloopers. Mistakes. Outtakes. Failures and losers. These becometh the man. Backstage whispers of belated nerves don't need to hold you back. Breathe and find balance. You are biblical with or without disciples backing you. B is for all the broken children who live within us. For the bruised, the battered and bold. Keep being benevolent despite these bars barricading your brains. Think outside the box. There is a world beyond this where birds sing. Wild bluebells grow bountiful in fields so big they bust colour for miles. Your light bulb moment will come. Keep holding on. I beg you. I once thought the Grim Reaper was beckoning for me. Now I count each breath so I don't brush against death and it can't bend my reality. Big-hearted we bounce back and forth between emotions. Basic mechanics keep bolts in their place, heads screwed on like branches, each one unique. B stands for becoming who you always thought you could be, who brightens up the white in your eyes when you speak, banging with no apology, use your body how you want to, bold and free without boundaries or borders blocking you. Big up yourself, keep growing and bashing down walls that you once built up for protection. Build houses with the bricks they throw. Wrap up all baggage and banish away to skips to make way for brand new ways of thinking. you got to bury them dark thoughts into soil and walk over it barefoot. B is for becoming. It's for shame being banished. It's for being me. It's for being me unapologetically. Blocking up bozzers, booky behaviour, getting banged out. It's for not being bound to one art form. It's boundless beauty holds me. There are no borders. It's for the brave, for the before and after, between and beyond. It's for being better. Biology bubbling inside me. Since birth, this blood has run hot. Always bleeding, always breathing. B stands for brilliant. So why are you pretending you're not? That's that one. Bro, oh... (laughs) What a message to end on. B stands for brilliant. So why are you pretending you're not? Yeah. I want everyone to write that on a post-it and like stick it on their bedroom wall or something. <laughs> you got it. You got yeah. you got to believe that you're brilliant. You know. It's true. Thank you for sharing that message. Um, and just uh, what wonderful use of alliteration there. Um, just to to really keep that rhythm driving, driving, driving. Um, could you t- tell us a bit about where that piece came from and um, and how that piece came about? Because I've seen you perform that a couple... No. Yeah, That's I think I've, heard, I've definitely heard you perform When we were on tour, innit, with the Black Music Movement? Yeah, it was. Yeah, you were performing that across... Um, uh, in different open air parks and places up and down the country for, I think, a week it was in July in 2020. Yeah. Um, in, in solidarity with you know uh, the movement f- for Black Lives and speaking out against uh, police violence and, and brutality and the, and the ongoing struggle for racial equity mm-hmm. um, and that was an incredible it was an incredible tour I was there for a couple of dates and you were there for the five full days so I did I did yeah. hear you perform that a couple of times yeah could you just tell us a bit a bit about bit about that piece um, oh, I'm getting my words <laughs> getting my words all muddled up There's here. a, lot a bit of bees. about that piece <laughs> yeah um, too many bees in here. <laughs> I um, Wu-Tang killer bees sorry. <laughs> I uh yeah so it's like it was more um so with that because obviously I'm still quite new to like poetry and that I just set myself a task like it was just like a writing task to um go through the whole alphabet and just do a poem on each letter and just try and you know just explore and experiment with alliteration and different just bits like different um ways of language and that really and um 
yeah, I came up with that one. And uh, yeah, I just quite liked it, innit? So I filmed it one time and I put it on Instagram and people seemed to like it. And then when I got asked to join the black music movement, it was, um, I felt like it was just super fitting, you know, in terms of um, really just believe in yourself and, and becoming one with people, with, with people and growing together and just, yeah, believing in yourself, man. And I think that's what we, we need, and especially we need to drum that into young people. So yeah, I just feel like it had a really nice message to it um, as well as sort of like being clever with the alliteration and that. So um, uh, yeah, that's, that's sort of where that came from. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I respect it. I respect it. Like (laughs) solid messaging and being on, being on that, being on that tour, um, Rocking up to you know like Brighton, uh, Bristol, Liverpool, uh, Manchester, you know, being in these cities, we were coming to people, and it was very important that we didn't necessarily like, you know, just like dictate what the day was going to be, sort of thing. We'd always yeah. make sure we involved local organisers and people who knew the local campaigns and and, and knew about what was happening in their city. Mm-hmm. Um, and and because I was because I was hosting a couple of these, I was thinking about how best to tie things together in terms of creating a mood and an energy in an audience. And especially because this is a protest and what we were doing was protest. Sometimes you need and of course, you always need to have some foundational things that people can like really just conglomerate around and ideas mm-hmm. people can, can all join around and. And, and a really fun way to do that is through poetry. And, yeah. you know, you can have a really clear message about being yourself being the best you you can be but also being with other people mm. um and it's a thing yeah. that it's a thing that i've been um struggling with quite a lot during lockdown is 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 missing that feeling of being with other people um and i always notice it most when i'm doing these conversations because i feel that my mind is firing on all these cylinders and it's a similar place to when i'm on stage and do you do you find this do you find that um in the time of not having, um, you know, regular gigs and performances, um, that you have like a creative energy in in, in conversation, or, or where is your creative energy now that it's not kind of like, you know, in live events? Yeah, it's, I, I totally hear. Um, I hear that a hundred percent. Yeah, and I think when you, like you said, when when you start having creative conversations, it then everything starts to be like, oh yeah, this is what it's like, or whatever. Um, I I feel like I find myself like performing with um friends. So like if I'm in a situation where I'm like with four or five mates and I'm telling a story, I'll really like act it out. Like I found that I did it the other day. I'm I'm, I'm like very um characterized, I'm over the top, I'm doing the impressions and that, and I'm like fucking hell so chill out, you know what I mean? Like this you're not on stage, but I do almost find myself performing. So um yeah, I guess I just do that. And I and annoyingly I um I uh I feel like I'm trying to get more validation through social media, which is so annoying because I hate that man and it's all ego, like that's it's none of it's not from the soul. It's not it's it's doesn't it's you know, it's like eating McDonald's. It gives you that it gives you that um uh that pleasure that for like two seconds and then it's just nothing, it's meaningless, it's shit, you know what I mean? So I feel like I've been trying to do that more because that's the only way that I can connect with an audience or, you know, have instant gratification, i.e. getting a like, getting a reshare on a, on a post. But it's just so fake, you know what I mean? So, yeah, um, it's not great. It's not great, but, you know, we're all in the same boat, <laughs> I guess. 
we are all in the same boat. I, I've been sinking days into social media and then you come out of the haze and you're kind of like, oh, what, 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 why have I been, yeah. why have I been like, you know, low and, and down? And meanwhile, <laughs> these energy. things are designed, yeah, like these things are designed to be addictive and mm-hmm. to keep people in loops, which is, which is just another absolute, um, well, I find it really hard to deal with because before the pandemic I had, a way of using it as a tool. I had a very strict routine with social media. Um, whereas now I feel it's just splintered into a lot of the rest of my life and I don't particularly enjoy it. And I'm really trying to rectify that. So I hear what you're saying there too. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad, but it's just the way the world is now, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, but we move, we adapt, we adapt. <laughs> and speaking of adapting, <laughs> about there is where the connection dropped out and me and Sarah just had to reschedule our recording for a different time. Um, so now, as we rejoin the conversation, um, I've just asked Sarah to reopen with a poem. And this is the piece that she chose. It's called It's Not That Deep. <laughs> very, 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 very good message to remember when being frustrated at technical difficulties. Anyway, on with the show. <laughs> so... I started seeing a therapist last year, but it's not that deep. I guess I just needed to understand certain parts of me because I was having nightmares when I wasn't even asleep. My triggers were like flies buzzing around my head and my head felt full of water, just heavy and sloshing around and around and around. It felt like I was drowning, but it's not that deep. We all make mistakes figuring life out. Growing up is tough. We drink till we pass out, smoke a bit, sniff a bit, regret a whole lot, staring into space and that, wishing to turn back clocksy. I thought I was broken and needed fixing, but instead of doing DIY, I ran to men to do the work for me. But how can they fix what they didn't break? How can they fix me without the correct tools? The tools that I needed would only work with my hands, but my hands were reaching out for something else. I thought I found a way, but it just made things worse. My life became a balloon slowly being blown up and up and up until it eventually burst, but it's not that deep. Putting the pieces back has actually been amazing, and I connected with you. I will never take for granted how I feel in your company. Comfortable and safe, I can say anything is accepted. Laughing and smoking, talking and talking things over until I realised I'm not broken at all. I was just lost at sea. There's total peace when you hold me, but it's not that deep. This isn't love, but it feels relaxed. This isn't love, man, but I'm fine with that, because if this isn't love but feels this good, then what will real love feel like? It will feel like every compliment I've ever had, every applause break, every bowl of ice cream, every bus I've ever made on time, every song I've ever heard, it will feel as good as all the traffic lights turning green, as good as finding money in your jeans, as good as free food, as good as sunshine on your birthday, as good as freshly cut grass, but trust, it's not that deep. There's some seriously dark parts within me, and I like you because you get it. Because you're fucked up too. But I'm acknowledging all this and getting help so I can dig further. Further into the blackness to find peace within these walls. Because if these walls could talk, they would tell you of trauma. They would tell you of pain so severe it ran like petrol through these veins. And each day I would flirt with the flames, goading that click of the lighter whilst wanting to just click and be lighter. These walls within me are strong. I used to cry tears that were deep enough to drown in. But I learned to swim. And even in the darkness, I realised darkness is not to be feared. Because light can only be shone through it to be seen. These waters cannot beat me. My feet can touch the ground. Confidently swimming in my sleep with each year that passes, I feel the end of that tunnel coming. I feel like I can just keep running and running and never get out of breath. 
that 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 black dog's been trained walking by my side and off the leash, but I'm not getting gas because it's not that deep. It's not that deep. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry for peeking on the microphone. That was incredible. Thanks. Thank you so much, Sarah. Um, it's a joy to uh, be doing the second part of this podcast. The tech gods were not kind to us, were they? No, they were terrible. <laughs> but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna jump straight back into it. And thank you for uh, reminding us that you know sometimes. It really ain't that deep. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not that deep. You've got to chill. Yeah, it's got to chill. Um, yeah, so I just... Um, I wanted to talk to you um, about collaboration um, as, a, as a bit of a general theme um, for the next uh, like couple of questions. Because I've seen through Imaginary Millions and especially the way that Imaginary Millions was working... Uh, through lockdown, the early part of lockdown, and we were doing the alone together um, sort of sharings, mm. I think I call them. Um, it really, like, you know, it, it piqued my interest as to how, um, like, collaboration, uh, especially in artistic communities, um, can can help us, like, generally. Mm. Um, yeah, so I want to throw that out to you and just, like, you know, uh, maybe have you respond to that. How was, like, because you work in a collaborative way like all the time but you're also very much your own artist mm. like you know both in you know comedy and poetry and in in in, in the other aspects of your art um so yeah i'm thinking about collaboration how what would you like to say to respond mm. um yeah i think collaboration is super important um all the people i've met have been through like going to gigs or chatting to someone after a gig like so i turned up to imagine millions that was through a recommendation through from a guy called poet curious big up um he's uh so he, he, he recommended me the night and I turned up there and it was amazing and then when Imagine Millions went to Amsterdam I joined them and I got chatting to the drummer there and then I put the drummer in my band so when I did my EP launch then I met him and then through him like loads of other musicians and then other poets and then like rappers and singers and for me that's just the collaboration has lifted what I'm doing massively you know because you learn from each other and you just create work that you wouldn't be able to do on your own you know what I mean so um, there's a Alan Watts says a story um, about it's like a Chinese little Chinese old wives tell that they always tell their kids about like um, they make them cut out a stick man mm. and then and then they try and you know put it up stand it up and it won't stand up you know and then they tend to cut out another stick man and they lean them against each other mm. and that's life. Oh wow! wow. <laughs> See now you're saying it's not that deep. That that was pretty deep. Yeah, but that's not me. That's Alan Watts. Yeah, I'm yeah. not going to. But I, that really resonated with me because I was just like, wow, that's so true. Like within relationships, within family, and especially within um, the create creative world, you know. So yeah, I'm big on it. Yeah, like um, and speaking of leaning on each other, um, I will I will drop this story for the podcast because it is a nice story and it is relevant. Um, I often go on long walks around, like, you know, just my local area, as we all do in these times, because that is all that we can do. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I listen to, you know, I've, I've got a couple different playlists, mm. and they're for a couple different moods. One of them is, it's going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's the general theme. Um, and in that playlist is Lean On Me. And so the other week... Big two. The other week, it was freezing cold. And I was walking around, um, you know, in maybe like two in the afternoon, just singing Lean On Me oh, quite loudly to myself. Wholesome. And uh, yeah, it, it, it pertains to that image of like building ourselves as who we are individually by being in community with the people around mm. us, like building something stronger, mm. like together. 
Um, and I think that's just, it, it, it really did, um, it touched me because it really helped me the early part of lockdown, mind mm. you, being um, in the Alone Together group. And to explain uh, to explain to the people who, who, who don't know, um, Imaginary Millions is a, it's a, it's a hip hop night, it's a jam night, it's a community, it's a record label, it's good vibes and good music. Um, and we were, and still will be, yes. running shows. Long um, live. Yeah, long live Imagine Millions. Um, but yeah, so the first Sunday of every month at the book club in Shoreditch, we'd be there. And we'd be there with a band and uh, the mics would be hot, is the phrase. And that means that across the night, whoever is in the audience and whoever would like to say something can come up to the mic and share their piece. And it was such a community-based like thing because we ended up building something which was, which was the relationships with each other. That's yeah. the thing we were building. Magic. You it know? was magic, innit? Yeah. And, it, yeah. Um, and so then when, obviously, uh, you know, the Rona hit and there was the immediate, we don't have that first Sunday of the month pilgrimage to be with each other in, in, in that way, we took it online. You know, and there was a, a Dropbox where you could like send in, you know, a verse, and somebody would send in a beat, mm. and somebody else would mix them together, and somebody else might like add another layer on top, and then we'd have this, 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 this something. Um, it was amazing. Oh yeah, I tell you, I've got a good story for that as well. So when we were doing that, everyone was putting in like music and beats and stuff, and then poets would do a piece, and I put a piece in, and this girl called Tara, she got back to me, and I was like. Never met her before, not heard her, never seen her at Imagine Millions because we were in like a WhatsApp group as well. So people were talking, but so I'd, I was conversing, but I didn't know who she was, right? I never knew, didn't even know what she looked like. She made the sick drum, drum and bass fucking beat. And oh shit. And, um, <laughs> you can swear. You oh, can, can I swear? swear? Right, sick. And uh, so she made this good drum and bass, and it was like fucking sick, man. And then anyway, she proper made it, I released it. And um, then when we were in Bristol for the black music movement, when we were going around protesting, um, she was there taking pictures in Bristol and I met her I was like oh my god we made a track together she was like yeah and we hugged and I was like this is such a an amazing moment you know because mm. we've we've bonded creatively but I never met you so when I hugged her I felt like I knew her it was crazy yeah, yeah. But... and that's that's what Imaginary Millions is about mm. I'm gonna drop the news now I'm not sure if it'll be announced by the time that we're actually putting this podcast out but there will be another Imaginary Million show that you can be a part of via a live stream. Yes. Uh, we are going to be recording uh, one Imaginary Millions live show and uh, releasing that uh, through the wonderful people, sorry, with the wonderful people at the Albany Theatre um, and Deptford. Uh, and so uh, keep eyes on the social media for that. All the links will be in the description. Um, but since we're since we're here and since we're doing Imagine a Million Stories, mm. uh, let's talk about Amsterdam. Yes. Yeah? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So like um, this is maybe a couple years ago now. Um, 2019. 2019. Yeah. 2019. Wow. It was my birthday that weekend, you know? Hey! Yeah, it was my 25th birthday. And uh, a couple of days before, Stormzy had just played Glastonbury or like yeah. on that weekend. And I'm thinking, Stormzy's had his big moment. This is my big <laughs> moment. It was wonderful. Um, yeah, like, so uh, the the raft uh, at the wonderful uh, Café de Quavel, uh, north side of Amsterdam, uh, this kind of raft-based, like, uh, adventure playground-looking yeah. nature reserve art space. Um, yeah, like, talk about your set there, because 
the jam was going live mm. and then I see from out the crowd Sarah Callahan, who I did not know was going to be there. <laughs> yeah. Were you shocked then when you see me? I had to double take because, oh I mean, it was Amsterdam and it was my 25th birthday. I was celebrating, let's say. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, that's crazy. Yeah, because I, I didn't really know you too well then. So, and... Um, I was only there for a couple of days because I had some gigs cancelled, so I was like, right, I'm just going to go. And um, and uh, I was messaging Rob and stuff, and he was like, he's telling me where it was. And when we walked through, like you said, it was this cool like, art space, and like you're walking on all this stuff, and there's like all like plants and flowers either side, and the like, canal, it's like mad getting through there. And um, I was like, a bit nervous, innit? But I'd already got there, and everyone was playing and stuff, and they were jamming, it was so sick, and the sun was shining, it was just like the perfect day. And... Um, Usually at these nights, there's a lot of people that want to get on the mic, and everyone is super respectful, but it's like, usually you can maybe just do one piece, that's it, and that'll be you done for the night, just to make sure everyone has a, has a go. Um, but because, obviously, like, there was only, like, five people from the actual crew that were there, and then the audience, but no one in the audience wanted to get up, so I went up and did a piece, and I was like, yeah, sick, and I just, like, had such a good time, the band did, like, they were just perfect, everything worked out perfectly, yeah, good response. But then after that, no one else wanted to go up. So I was like, all right. And then I think I think Kelly went up. And then... Um, That's uh, uh, Kel, uh, Kelly Morena. Um, you can find her at Morena Music, a wonderful, incredible Maori musician. Yeah, she's so, so, so talented. Amazing. And that was the first time I met her, innit? And, but then afterwards, I was like, Rob was like, you can get up again. I was like, all right, sick. So I think I did maybe about three, four pieces, innit? And it was just, oh, it was so good, man. It was such a good vibe. Um, yeah, and then you and Ella shut it down at the end. <laughs> yeah, I think, and another thing that like just surprised me about the sort of lessons that I actually learned from this gig, it was a really important time for me because I was like um, really honing my craft with Imagine mm. Millions at this time. Um, and a lot of my look of uh, like, you know, freestyling, a lot of the way in which I was going about like stringing my bars together was really about having large blocks of text mm. that I could cycle through in different ways, right? But on that gig, that day, I was encouraged to really get into a self-expression and freestyle entirely, mm. like, creatively with no, like, you know, forethought, just to go with what was immediately there in my, like, you know, in my heart and in my soul and really express that. Um, and I think that having all these different musicians around me that I also felt were doing that was was so like um uplifting mm. to me like and encouraging um and then i think about how you know how how imagine millions and collaboration these two things are very linked to me mm. because they're you know like I, i've grown through imagine millions and you've been a big part of like you know these bits sorts of big gigs mm. um, and events in my life um yeah so I, I i suppose that's a bit of a long ramble to say that um i'm so I, i'm so glad that through Imagine Millions, I've been able to have like, you know, like to be able to see you creatively smash and do your thing in a different way and then also get to know you. Yeah, like, man. And then to have you on the Luna Poetry podcast. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's been, um, yeah, it's a journey. I'm like super honoured to just be a part of it. You know what I mean? It's like, it feels special. Like the people that I've met and the situation I've been in, you know, Imagine Millions 100%, it's like, it's a cool time, yeah. 
Shouts out to all the Imagine Millionaires listening. Yeah. Um, but we're going to move off that and maybe talk about um, some of your upcoming collaborations. Because I know you're always mm. working and releasing. We've already spoken about uh, like you know tracks you've got coming out. Um, but yeah, those uh, yeah. W- what have you got coming up next? Tell me about an interesting collaboration coming down the pipeline. Okay. Sarah um, so I'm doing a couple of collaborations on other people's stuff. So I'm doing a collaboration on a singer an amazing singer songwriter called uh, james rosie so i'm doing some stuff with him i'm doing a collaboration with woodsy for his new album i'm doing a collaboration with danny martin which is a long form story piece and then on my album which is coming out in the autumn i'm i'm doing some stuff with cat from harmonious music and they are like i'm actually gonna get simone on on the on the guitar as well so we're doing a collaboration i'm also doing a collaboration with steve mowgli and mono the deaf and who else? Oh, another singer who was on my first EP, Jacob's Ladder, called Antonia Fender. She goes by Tony Tones. Um, so, yeah, a lot of people doing singing as well. My producer, Joe Jury, will do lots, lots of singing on it as well. I'm just trying to go, like, big production, lots of different voices, perspectives, and, yeah, just, like, tones, like, male vocalist, female vocalist, and all live instruments. So Sounds yeah, like you've got a super, like, broad spread of different be types of, like, yeah, sounds and yeah, music and poetry yeah. and stuff. I've been listening to a lot of music recently, <clears throat> like a lot of jazz and sort of like lo-fi stuff and just, and then going back into archives like Billie Holiday and Nina Simone and just trying to get a vibe of what, what what's my sound, you know, because I want to really want to bridge the gap between poetry and music and I just want to make music to the point where it's like you don't even know that there's poetry going on in the background, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, but the message is still there because I think it's like, it's great that it's being viewed as a genre, like poetry, spoken word or like word music but it's like how can we because everything you can make everything commercial you can make everything accessible to everybody because the amount of people that I say oh I do poetry they're like oh I hate poetry they come to a show and they see me do my shit and they're like oh I love it so if I can change one person I'm like I can change lots of people's minds here but I just need to grow it you know what I mean so that's that's like kind of the goal at the moment and that's why it's good collaborating with lots of people because you know, it's just you're learning so much and you're mm. being able to grow and morph it into this thing that is just, like, cool and relevant and super accessible to a lot of people, so... And I think on uh, on spoken word music and the kind of... the big recent upswing in, uh, in, in, in poetry being, for want of a better term, like, you know, replacing sung... Li- su- like, you know, replacing lyrics that are sung as the main parts of verses mm. you know and then dedicated spoken music you know and that's outside of hip-hop and rap music right i think that it speaks to something where poetry has a message mm. and is seen to have a message um where other types of music like might not necessarily yeah. and so this is a bit about like authenticity and uh, the whole idea of poets bringing something quote-unquote real mm. to something which is often seen to be quite fake mm. speaking about everything being able to be like you know um consume everything being able to be chunked down into uh genres and categories that we can be you know sold and turned into products it's bullshit though everything's fluid it's just everything's exactly. poetry everything's you know what i mean it's just it's it, yeah it shouldn't be put into a box i don't think you know but very sage, very sage. I think I was getting in my feelings about it. Like, <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it does frustrate me. Um, when I'm doing the repeat beat broadcast, and I've been doing this for about coming up three years now, every mm. month, you know, like a two hour hip hop and uh, spoken word show is what I call it. 
but the, uh, the, the, the way I pick the music is it has to have a spoken or rapped yeah, part yeah. in it. Like, that's the thing that, that, that denotes it for me. Mm. And recently there's been uh, Keris Matthews did an album with poets. Uh, Amy Aker has, a, you know, uh, has had a great feature. So many poets are, are turning up with dope features in music projects. Mm. And they're bridging this gap and making it seamless. And it's a lot of really good natural collaboration. Mm. Like, and it is breaking down the barriers of like, you know, um, what can be seen to be easily commercialized. Mm. Like, because the poems in these pieces are straight up great poems. Mm. And I trust poets to bring something of a different quality than like the type of songwriting we've had and yeah. so i'm really stoked to see the thing you've got coming out with i mean like danny martin you said you're doing a long form yeah. thing with him you skated over a lot of these really <laughs> great collaborations yeah yeah and i'm sure i will go back and listen to <laughs> um, but also let's uh, let's speak about um uh, an up-and-coming beatboxer who you've been mm. collaborating with as well uh yeah let's uh I'll, I'll let you describe to the listeners where this is going yeah so this is a young guy um he's 23 years old um from croydon and he's a beatboxer by the name of Native Creative. You'll see that's on his Instagram, but his name's Nathaniel. But yeah, he is just, like, I've never, I don't know many beatboxers personally, and um, I just saw him at a gig randomly. I went with a singer friend of mine, Reese Jackson. We're, we're, we're actually dropping bare names. <laughs> yeah, man, it's one of these But ones. yeah, Reese Jackson, he's like a really good singer, and so I went to this night with him, and um, this guy was beatboxing, blah, blah, and then I was in Edinburgh Fringe, and I bumped into him again there. And yeah, we just connected, I got him on Instagram and then I really wanted to do a poetry track because every video I do, every poem, I always like to change, do it different. So one with like guitar, one with just piano, one with one sad, one drum and bass, one is a house track, one is a, um, you know, euphoric uh, sound bite, one is a soundscape. Like I just, I'm trying everything, I'm doing everything. And um, so this one, I was like, I haven't done a poem with a beatbox, could that work? I don't know. So I reached out to him, he got back to me and he was like, yeah, I've actually worked with some open, um, with some spoken word people, so it definitely does work. I was like, okay, cool. Because I was like, I don't know if you've ever done this sort of thing before, because a lot of musicians I collaborate with, they would say to me, I've literally never ever worked with a spoken word artist, you're the first person. And I'm like, wow. And they were like, I took the job because it was money, but I was like, I didn't think it would work, but this is great and I love it and I'll definitely want to work with you in the future. So you change people's minds if you just take a risk. So that's why I said to him, I don't know if you've done this before, but he was like, nah, I um, I have done it. Anyway, he comes to my house. We have a wicked um, rehearsal. We're going through it. We get on really well. He's such a sound guy, very, very articulate, very ambitious, um, super dedicated, always does his prep. Like he's always on time. He's just amazing, man. He was just a delight to work with, innit? So if anyone's looking to collab with a beatboxer, please hit him up, man, because um, he's sick and he's super talented and I think he's, he's going to be he's gonna be a star. Well, I think poetry and beatbox, um, it happens in dance a lot and it happens in, like, the theatre a lot. So obviously yeah. Native Creative was part of, um, uh, I think, uh, Conrad Murray, the um, you know artistic director of, uh, of, of Cronkton Nights yep. um, and a whole bunch of other like great, great hip hop theatre shows. Um, he did uh, that, that, um, that Shakespeare adaptation where it was a beatbox like yeah. entire thing. And the seamless like knitting together of them Oh God! Beautiful. So sick. Yeah. Absolutely dope. More of it, please. Yeah, man. I'd never experienced anything like that, so it was such a good, a good uh, lesson for me and just a vibe to be around. I was like, oh, this is mad. Yeah. So when's that track dropping? 
Um, so it's actually it's actually dropped already. So the tune is called R is Four, and it's on my EP, uh, the Alphabet EP, which is out on all platforms now. But um, on my Instagram, I just did a sort of behind the scenes video, so that's up, and you can see little clips of the the music video from that as well. So yeah, it's out if you want to watch it. Very nice. Where else uh, can we find you before we wrap up and come to our final question? What else have you got coming up in the um, pipeline? So what else have I got? I'm, I'm writing a book, but I don't want to say too much about it, but it's 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 very different to... It's not a poetry book. It's, it's like about science. <laughs> but <laughs> it, there's a lot to it. There's a lot to it. I'm doing a lot of interviews. I'm trying to find out how the brain works and interviewing people from various uh, professions and stuff so that's going to be like in two years but that's kind of the main thing I'm working on I've got an album coming out in the autumn which is a full length poetry album with all the collabs that I mentioned and uh, good music and then um, what else I think that's it I think that's about it yeah 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 alright well <laughs> I mean head to the uh, comment sorry head to the description um, where we will have everywhere the, the show notes where you can find all of the details of the things mentioned in the podcast um, and all that remains to ask is one final question that I say for the end of every podcast um, and that question is why poetry? why poetry? because it's the only art form that I am free it allows me to totally be myself without judgment to help me heal to help me understand things and it's like just spills out in such a natural way and I feel like it's super it's received super well and it's like medicine yeah sweet sweet medicine Thank you very much, Sarah Callahan. It's been uh, a joy to have you on the Lunar Poetry Podcast, despite the tech gremlins. We got through it. Yep, they were they were gnashing at our <laughs> heels. Uh, yes, indeed. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for it's having been a joy. me. Yes, yes, another episode in the can. Thank you so much to Sarah Callahan for her time, her energy, her openness. Thank you to you for sticking around. Give yourself a pat on the back for listening all the way through. I'm glad you could make the time for us. For more from Sarah, go to scallahan one on Instagram or sarahcallahan.com. Uh, all of the important links and bits and bobs will be in the show notes so that you can click through. Just a quick run through of the admin bits and some notes of gratitude to do before we round off. Um, I've made the decision that the transcripts of this first set of episodes will be dropping in winter of this year. It's a bit easier to, uh, to batch that transcription work, so keep eyes on the website for that. Um, you can get in contact with me personally at repeatbeatpoet or via linktree.com forward slash repeatbeatpoet to see all the other things I'm doing. Poetry, podcasts, radio, all the jazz, all the jazz. Thank you once again to Ella Jean of Mystery Planet Productions for her production skills. And new episodes will be dropping regularly, but while the podcast is still... You know, like self-funded, you'll just have to bear with me. <laughs> Bill's have to pay in it, like just, just, I got rent. <laughs> um, if you head to our website, which is lunarpoetrypodcast.com, you can find the previous episodes and 
all the available accompanying transcripts. Uh, keep up with all the other Lunar News by following Lunar Poetry Podcasts on Facebook or at Lunar Poetry Pod on Twitter and subscribe to us wherever you go for your quality podcasts, whether that's Acast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, anywhere, everywhere. We're everywhere, all over the place. And if you enjoy the podcast one final time, please do share it with someone else who might enjoy it. Poetry is, after all, for the people. And uh, remember what June Jordan said. Good poetry and successful revolution change lives. And you can't compose a good poem or wage a revolution without changing consciousness. Until next time, I've been your host, doing the most, the repeat beat poet. Peace out, keep reading and making your own revolutions. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.